Hey, welcome to Influence Weekly, The Takeaway, where we're going to go through five of the top-clicked articles of this week's newsletter. We'll also go through a little bit differently, not just one thing, but we'll go through a few things, really quick takeaways, and then finish it up with what's not in the newsletter, the top story that you probably already heard about, but I'm going to give you my two cents. We're going to start today at the countdown. Oh, by the way, it's a really juicy one. It's an influencer who couldn't do influencer marketing. Um, so the countdown is um, starts at the top article of the week. I loved it. Case study of how Daniel Wellington is still top of the influencer marketing game. Yes, you can read this. So their strategy was freebies, hashtags, discounts, and daily competitions. They're the most mentioned brand uh, in influencer posts with the hashtag ad. Um, what I love about this is how they are still at the top of the game because they're still doing everything. They just keep adding stuff. What typically influencer marketing I've heard from marketers is they'll do one thing, then they'll say, okay, what can we do better? Not what we can do more of. And they'll just change their strategy every six months or one year. Whereas Daniel Wellington is just continually adding more and more stuff they're doing, making waves as they go. Open influence. Next up is open influence. Open, open influence. What's currently being done to tackle influencer fraud? They have a great, well-produced video here, a YouTube video you should check out. Only takes nine minutes. And my takeaway is that it's an arm race out there. What are the automations doing? And then what are platforms doing to quash that their automations? And what can we do to keep up other than keep up with the tech? So as the tech of fraudulent users increases, our technology should increase. And, you know, this is actually a direct difference than what I thought. I thought, you know, a year ago, two years ago, that you really just run a campaign and you just have the um, campaign managers look at the accounts and do, does an account pass the smell test? Do they act and look like normal creators? That's not enough anymore. We need to combine technology and creativity. Um, and that's very interesting to me. Next up, it's all cylinders firing inside Shopbop's largest influencer campaign to date. So this article doesn't reveal just the campaign. It doesn't just say, hey, this is what we did. It shows it, it reveals a KPI and the budget. So for Shopbop's Lake Como trip, they had eight influencers. The KPI for the summer of Shopbop campaign is social engagement. And they say that it's only sales as a bonus. It's coming out of their brand budget and not their performance marketing budget. So it really, if it was coming out of their performance marketing budget, the KPI would be flipped. They would say sales and then social engagement as a bonus. But in this case, it's coming out of their brand budget. So the KPI is social engagement. Um, the idea is that building the brand on social platforms will have a halo effect eventually resulting in revenue. And what are they reviewing at the end is cost per engagement, not cost per click, not cost per acquisition. They're just measuring cost per engagement. Love it, love it, love it, because this is truly bringing influencers and brands together and creating something that neither could do alone. A brand cannot create engagement alone. Nobody wants to engage with a brand. We know what we're doing when we're talking to a brand. You're talking to a brand. Whereas they're bringing influencers on to create engagement. This is fantastic. Love it. Next up is the top 12 most popular TikTok creators. I'm actually going to go through all these really quickly and and let you know which one you should check out. There's one in particular that I love. Um, so number one is Lauren Gray. She's a TikToker turned singer. Also number two, Baby Ariel. 
just signed to Atlantic Records. Also a, sing- a TikToker turned singer. Singer number three, Kristen Hancher. She's a former You Nower, the live stream platform You Now. Number four is teen heartthrob Jacob Sartorius. Number five is from Aruba, the older brother of the Crows Bros, Gil Crows. Number six is Flight House. It's a company production house who collaborates with big stars. I absolutely love them. Their CEO is a teenager himself. Um, really interesting stuff. I've known them for a couple of years and really love their work. Number seven, Zach King. This is the guy you should check out. He's a Viner turned YouTuber and now TikToker. He's a digital magician, digital artist, digital illusionist. Go check him out, Zach King. I absolutely love his work. Number eight, Jaden Crows is the younger Aruban of the list. He's also the younger brother of Gil Crows, who is at number five. Number nine, the second most popular twins or brothers, uh, the Dobre twins, former Viners, now TikTokers. Number 10, Liza Koshi, YouTuber uh, who used to be a Viner and now a TikToker. Fantastic. I love that TikTok is adding a platform to YouTubers instead of Vine leaving and then moving on to YouTube instead of Vine. Um, I love that it's now people are... are, are creating content on all of these platforms and really high quality content. Number 11, Savannah Sutas is the first mom, mom TikToker. Her her and her her daughter do their TikTok. And number 12, Annie LeBlanc, also a family vlogger turned TikToker from the vlog channel Bradley. That was the top 12 most popular TikTok creators by fan count. Last on the countdown is Inside the Influencer Hustle. Um, this is what brands wish they wish brands knew. Um, Laureen Huang of, um, I'm not going to say this correctly, Coco Julie is an influencer with over 100,000 followers. And she says, making sure you're authentic to yourself and to your audience is very important. Sometimes I get offers that are great, but then I think, do I want my page or blog to be a giant ad? Of course not. Your audience can see right through that. I think the takeaway for brands is that they have to be authentic as well. You know, we don't want to, and both sides, both sides need to be authentic when coming together to create a piece of content that neither could do alone. Are you allowing the influencers to just go on their own or are you bringing your authentic brand voice? Um, You really need to bring both. That's the takeaway that I get. So now here's a few other articles that I think went under the radar um, this week and I just thought had great takeaways. So after landing Louis Vuitton, um, can Little Red Book attract more big luxury brands? So the platform just cleaned its site of micro-influencers recently, meaning that anyone who has less than 5,000 followers and averages less than 10,000 views can no longer form partnerships with brands. This sounds exactly like YouTube's uh, similar um, squashing of smaller channels from their YouTube partner program. While this should be good for the overall health and quality of the platform's ecosystem, the, the article says it could be bad for the latecomers to influencer marketing on the platform. I don't think so. Increasing the bar just a little really dramatically improves the ecosystem so far beyond that, yes, it's a little harder for people to gain money, but also in the time that you were gaining money, it was not a lot. So you're not losing a lot. I mean, losing literally like pennies and a few dollars, not losing tens, twenties, thirties dollars. And also your content's not monetized until you reach that point. So um, I think this is fantastic. Next up is the streetwear consumers are unmoved by social media influencers. So the Streetwear Impact Report released last week reveals that music, art, and sport 
which actually were the areas that spurred the development of streetwear in the 80s, continue to be the drivers of this category. Fantastic insight, you know, that social media influencers are not the top drivers of impact. Um, that shows a large opportunity for anyone in the streetwear industry. Um, I did a little bit of a, a small study of streetwear last year and found that while it is a large there's a large amount of creators creating content to a large audience. There are no breakout stars, you know. So that's a big opportunity for creators right now. Uh, next up is advertising spending on social media influencers in India. My brands is rising. So this means, and really the takeaway here was that the increase is driven by obviously the increased pop popularity of content creators but also the proliferation or addition of new platforms like tiktok and share chat um and so that's really where you get a they're doubling so the it says that advertising spending could potentially double this year in in india so kudos to those working in india kudos to those working with um those new platforms um but again that's that's interesting that the driver is new platforms um, and it's like sort of saying, yes, they are, that creators are increasing their subscri subscribers, but that really the, the money's coming from new platforms. Interesting. So um, last up is social media influencers to snap NT's beauty, hopefully attract young travelers. The takeaway here that the incident was actually, um, the incident, the impetus of this was actually a post by Marco Robbie, who's a celebrity, not necessarily just an influencer, but a celebrity. And she's driven um, sort of the view of this place being Instagrammable. I think the takeaway from this is that tourism industry has a huge potential opportunity, but really needs to put up the literal and figurative guide rails, meaning people shouldn't be allowed to trample over California poppies, but also, or fall off of cliffs, you know, you really need to put the literal guide rails up, but also let, there should be more work on tourism to drive influencers to the places they want to be seen. Um, Last up is what's not in the newsletter. So this is, she couldn't sell 36 shirts? That could have been a, the title. Um, so an influencer who had over 2 million followers produced her own brand, um, produced her own um, tops, I, said, I could say. And the company that was helping her produce these said, okay, sell 36 minimum. And she couldn't. But why? So... If you look at her apology, apology or outing of, of what happened, um, the key takeaway I got was that she sent product to either friends or other influencers who ended up not posting at all. So this is, you know, a problem of actually executing a campaign, not in influencing herself, but in executing campaign and you wouldn't ask an actor to go and direct a movie and yes there are the anecdotal information of an actor who could direct a movie but those are anecdotal and those are very few and far between mostly you don't want an actor also doing being a line producer getting form signed you don't want an actor to go and wrangle everyone as a second ad um in general you want an actor to be a great actor um, you would not want an influencer running a campaign. And yes, again, there are the anecdotes of, of even influencers running their own agencies. Great. But you sort of leave the, the the nuts and bolts to those who, well, can execute it. Um, who can actually follow up. And, and it is a big job. Um, 
so yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, what I got away and why it's not in the newsletter is that like, great, it's someone who failed at influencer marketing because it's hard. <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you got some interesting information, tidbits of information. If you did not, let me know. If you did, let me know. Please email me back and let me know what we can improve. Have a good one. Have a great week. Enjoy um, the rest of your week working in influencer marketing. Bye.